you open up a barbershop in Albert Lee. First of all, how did you get to Albert Lee, Minnesota? I know, I know you've told the story, but here's what we want to do in the podcast episode today. We want to get to know you. We want to um, send you some flowers and kind of kind of celebrate the the greatness that is Ra. Okay, uh, <laughs> it works for me. And you you had a podcast where you had a couple of episodes. I've had you on before, but I don't think we've kind of talked about the journey. That's kind of what we talked about in the last episode. Uh, how important progress is to the journey. Okay. So how did you get to Albert Lee, Minnesota? Okay. So there are many different avenues that got me here. Um, so I'm from Chicago. Moved to Minneapolis. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> that's, that's the gun. That's the right. gun. We'll Sign track. that later. Right. Got it. <laughs> I get here, I'm in Minneapolis. My license don't um don't convert right away. So I gotta go to barber school for three months, five hundred hours. Best five hundred hours I ever spent in any school. I'm gonna tell you, going to barber school in Chicago, the barber schools are in these different neighborhoods. And that's the people you serve as a barber, as a student barber. Mm-hmm. So when I got to Minnesota, I was scared of straight hair. <laughs> like I couldn't I, I don't know if I couldn't cut white people but I hadn't so I didn't want to gotcha so going to school you know what I'm saying like I'm one of them dudes like I'm gonna tell you like I'm a barber I'm gonna get people in here but I've never cut white people I told the the owner Terry she was like you know what okay she acted like she didn't care next thing you know I was getting all white people <laughs> like, <laughs> like my first month all white people but I needed that Got you. It made me way better in my craft. You know what I'm saying? You throw a black dude in my chair, I get it done. You throw a white dude, I listen. I gotta get I gotta listen, I gotta hear what you want. Because I was real I was nervous about making mistakes. Mm-hmm. But they got me to Minnesota. So I'm there, I'm cutting. I'm dealing with a young lady named Nicole. Mm-hmm. And um she got sick. Wait, wait, wait! I don't want to. I don't want to miss out on the transition from Chicago to Minnesota. You went straight to like was it barber school? No, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, I mean, so trying. you, you, so you basically you were in Chicago, and then you found reasons to go to Minnesota. Is that fair to say? Um, okay, I was in Chicago. I had a barber shop. See, see that this is important. Okay, uh, okay. I was trying to lead a robbery out of this. <laughs> Okay, you, you don't got. Let's not incriminate ourselves. No, no, I didn't rob nobody. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> that's where I wink at. <laughs> I'm in Chicago. I own a shop. I go on vacation. I'm in Miami. Um, like I got the camera in this shop. I had a couple cameras at the shop in Chicago. Okay. My phone's blowing up, blowing up. It's yeah. the shop number. I'm like, man, I'm not answering this. They know I'm on vacation, uh-huh. but it keep blowing up. So eventually, I'm like, man, let me. See what they want and whatnot. So I pick up. He's like, bro, you need to look at these cameras. And I was like, for what? He's like, just look at the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. And I was like, where you going? I'm going home. It's like five in the afternoon. I'm leaving. Look at the cameras. From Miami? No, he was going home from the shop. He said he was leaving. Oh, look got at, you. Look at the cameras. I'm leaving. So I go look at the cameras. And it's the most Chicago thing I ever saw in my life. The barber's in there cutting. Four dudes come in, all black, mask on, make everybody get on the floor. I'm talking about women, children. They don't care. They emptying out their pockets. And this wow. is like 
on a Saturday, like Saturday at 12 noonish. Oh. They empty in pockets. <laughs> Get <laughs> butt naked. <laughs> right. This is on Chicago. <laughs> I felt like I was watching like I was watching a movie. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> New, New Jack City barbershop. I don't know if you listen to Biggie like that, but it's the scene where they talking about robbing the train. Mm-hmm. It felt like that. I was watching like, damn, they, they came in there tough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, this is not. So okay. I knew, I knew, you know, I had to leave. I mean, at the least, I had to leave the shop. But I was like, man. My son here, I hate him going to school here, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But I love this city, but I got to go. Mm-hmm. So my uncle, who was living in Minneapolis, was like, come visit Minnesota. Gotcha. Where, where at, was it Minneapolis? He was living like in a suburb. Okay. Name one of the rich suburbs. All of them. <laughs> right, that's the one he was in. <laughs> like, I ain't met a bad Minnesota suburb yet. Let's go Woodbury. <laughs> Woodbury. Like, you need to visit Minnesota. Can I stay at your house? Nah. Okay. If it's so, got a water tower, it's pretty nice. <laughs> so I'm out there. I come here. I visit. Now, I was here four days, but three days in, I knew I was moving to Minnesota. I was like, this is great. Why is that? I had, I had a very similar experience, but why was that? First of all, needless to say, it was the summer. If I came in February, I'd have been like, fuck this place. Mm -hmm. But I came in the summer. Everything was green. My hotel was right by the Mall of America. I was like, I I like this. You know what I'm saying? And I do the same thing now that I used to do then. I'd walk around and see bad haircuts and just see money signs. Like, oh, I could fix all of this. I thought you was going to say baddies. (laughs) Nah. I saw bad haircuts. Like, I could fix all of this. Like, God damn, who cut you? So I decided I'm coming. I get here, they like your license don't transfer. Okay. So first I had to work at Wells Fargo for like six months just to build up my money to get in the bar. Okay. <laughs> in my mind, I thought you had to cut hairs. <laughs> cut hair at Wells Fargo nah, was, for six months. No, goddammit, I was a teller. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just here to check my balance and get a lineup real quick. <laughs> I was out there working at Wells Fargo. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh no. So, you know, I Got that money up and went to barber school. Okay. Got you. I got fired from Wells Fargo. Yeah? Yeah. You should have robbed him, man. Everybody get butt naked on the floor. I was on some real Captain Sabo shit when I got fired. <laughs> Wait, what? Can you share the story? Is it, is it one of I'll those? I'll give you the story. This young lady comes in. She's trying to get out money. She don't got none. And I already knew this was the rule. You can't give nobody money. <laughs> <laughs> but I gave her a dub. It was tough on her, man. She, she, like, she couldn't even get on the bus. <laughs> she had her son with her. I felt super bad. That's like, that's like going to a fancy five-star restaurant. Look, I got $6. Don't worry about it. I was like, this on me. I gave her, <laughs> gave her a 20, man. You gave her money. Yep. To get I on asked the bus. Her, can I get her um, information off the computer and call her later? She was like, yeah. <laughs> So I was just lining up stuff to get fired for. This is very, this is very early two thousand, you know, love romance. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but this is like these are movies. Like, hey, I, can I get your information off the computer? Yes, and then you I mean, call her. It was people in line behind her. Got you know it. what I'm saying? So I couldn't just chop her down. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hit you later for real. And she's like, I hope you do. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh yeah, you'll hear from me. Sis, he gave me a twenty. <laughs> Yeah, she had a story to tell. You could do a lot with a 20 in, in early 2000s. Okay. So. And they, they, that was one of the reasons why they let you go. I already knew it was. I mean, the firing wasn't coming. I knew I was leaving, though. Gotcha. I hit the money for barber school. And 
I couldn't. The, the hours of barber school mean I couldn't work at the bank because it's the same hours of barber school. So I already had a, a overnight job lined up. So okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. So I do that. I finish. I get into a great situation with George. You go, go give him give a little bit more information and context uh, for George. I certainly will. I just said George because you know him, but yeah. I'll certainly tell the story. So when you are finishing barber school, barbers come, like owners from barbershops come, check you out, let you know they want to come. They want you to come to their shop or whatever. A few barbers came. Like I said, the owner, Terry, super good. She's like, no, not them. No, not them. Like, this would be dudes coming in smell like weed. She always tell me no to them. But she's trying to get me in the best situation. Mm. George comes in, it changes. He's like, you know, we talk. Changes we is up. the barbershop. Changes uh, is the barbershop. It's in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. I think but, it's got a Z in it. Yeah, it changes <laughs> with a Z. But he comes in, she's like, I can see you going to his shop. It's a good shop. So that's where I ended up. So I'm there. I'm happy. I'm cutting. Um, I meet the young lady, Nicole. Okay? Things are going great. I just When I met her, she was just getting over breast cancer. Two and a half years in, it comes back. And it comes back strong, like stage four. So she's passing away right in front of me. It sucks. I'm like, man, I got to get out of Minneapolis. I don't want to be here. End up meeting Rosa. Because <laughs> Rosa, the young lady you speak of. <laughs> <laughs> she's from Albert Lee. Okay. And, did, you, um, and did you meet her out in Minneapolis? I met her in were? the cities. Gotcha. Okay. I met her in the cities. She lived in Albert Lee. I wasn't coming to Albert I visited a couple times. It was terrible here to me. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get out the cities. And one, this was my guy at the time. Like right now, I don't know what his beef is with me, but MJ from MJ's Sports okay. Barbershop in Mankato. He, it wasn't open yet. It was about to open. Gotcha. Okay. July 1st, 2014. That's, that was the opening date. He like, rah. Because we went to barber school together. Mm-hmm. Like, Ra, I'm about to open a shop in Mankato. What's the chances you can come? And I was like, at first I was kind of like, nah. But then I was like, you know what? This gets me out the cities. So I did. I went to Mankato. How long were you in Mankato? Three years. Okay. And were you living in Mankato? Or were you? Okay. I was living in Mankato. So you go to Mankato, new shop, open up. You're there for three years. Yeah. Rosa, who lives in Albert Lee... I was like, hey, come live in Albert Lee? Nah. Okay. <laughs> so 2014 is when he opened. Okay. 2013 is when my daughter was born from Rosa. Okay. But okay. I wasn't staying with her. We wasn't staying together. You know what I'm saying? My daughter was born. We fought all the time. Mm-hmm. I went to Mankato. I met KP, who you know. And that's what <laughs> First I was First of all, I don't <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be clear. I do know. Yeah, I'm talking about biblically. I forget. I forget. Ninety percent of all these names, I I have like four names that I can actively remember that 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 I've uh, that you've dated or that I've been aware of over the last few years. So okay, so so KP lives in Mankato. I was a young lady who lives in Mankato. That's what I was dealing with at the time. But I was going back and forth all the time to give my daughter to Albert Lee. Yep, gotcha. Okay. Yep. Um. So what's the what's the drive? Is that like an hour? And one half? hour. One hour, gotcha. So back it wasn't and much. forth. One hour back and forth. Um, we went to court. We got a 50-50 split custody thing going, so I had to come back and forth. But while there, you know, I, I you know, just chopping it up with customers, I'd be like, yeah, where you from? And a lot of people be like, Austin, Albert Lee, 
Wales. Surrounding cities. Yeah, all around here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so there's no shops there? So you found it, found Alberley would probably be a great market to have a barbershop. What yep. was the deciding factor from, all right, I've been here for three years. I'm back and forth Alberley anyway. When did you say, okay, I'm definitely going to move here and open up a shop? Like, things, Was there something that happened? Things lined up perfectly. So I was already saving for a shop. Mm-hmm. Um. Me and KP fell out of sorts, you know, just naturally. It's one of them things, Tom, things <laughs> fell out of sorts with KP. And then MJ, this was like our first, like, I didn't know we had any beef. But this was our first little inclination of beef. Um, I'm off on Mondays and Thursdays. I'm off on this particular Thursday. He shoots a commercial for the barbershop, which is fine with me. It's your barbershop, shoot a commercial. If I'm not there, that's on me. But. It was this perfect moment. There's a scene in the in the commercial where he kind of, you know, goes over the business cards of all, and you can kind of see all the barbers' names on their card. My card always in the same place, but it was covered with another barber. So you saw this barber twice. Wow. <laughs> like, like, David, David over here, too. Like, it was crazy, and I was like, oh, he didn't even put my that's name co- in the that's commercial? That's commercial magic right there. Like, go ahead and cut that out. <laughs> you can't. No offense, you got cut out the commercial. I got cut out. And I was like, oh, okay. So when I say things aligned, mm-hmm. the commercial came out. I saw the commercial. But the very next week, I was going on vacation to Las Vegas. I win $12,000 at the crap table. So not only was I saving, but I got this extra $12,000 winning. So as soon as I flew back into town, um, I started calling this, this number. I've been kind of calling it first. And I was like, I want to... Get a shop as soon as possible, and I want to pay the first year rent. Just in case nobody came to the shop that first year, you got the first year rent taken care of. You don't got nothing to worry about. Right. So, like I said, everything lined up, and that's just how I ended up here. But the thing is, them three years, man, you there's no chance I would have thought he would have shot the commercial with my day off. And on top of that, <laughs> no way you my car. Because <laughs> this, like my, my barbershop, I can come and go as I feel, right? Like, I can open early for people. I can stay late for people. A shop in the mall, you got to be open the hours that the shop are open. The mall. Yeah. Yep. So, the first two years, it was just me, MJ, and another barber, Flight. Oh, so you are OG we in was the shop. There, we were there every day <laughs> from, from, from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Then when I say you got to be open when the shop open, the day after, after Thanksgiving, like, the mall opened at 5 a.m., you got to be there. 5 a.m. cutting. Nobody gotcha. coming in. People there to shop. People I remember walking that. Past. I remember those, those hours. This flight ended up leaving, so I was still there. Mm-hmm. So in that time, my clientele built up. So it got to a point where people come in like, can you get me? No. No. I got, I got people waiting. Please go talk to someone. Because now the barbers were adding up. Mm-hmm. But when you got your own clientele, like I knew I was cocky, but <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, MJ was too. It wasn't like it was just me. Like I'm just this cocky barber coming into his shop. No, it was built up over time. Got to know the people there, the community. Just kind of, you know, like when I lived in Mankato, when I would go to Walmart, people stop me all the time. Like, bro, can you get me in tomorrow? And I'd be like, see me another day. But it was one of them things where you, okay. you do get cocky. Okay. Like I heard you say, like I asked you the other day, like when did you go? Were you headlining? You just gave me a look, like nigga. <laughs> Would I be doing anything else? Like it was one of them type of things. I got you. So you know. Okay. No, we we had that was a good conversation about. Uh, well, I've I've talked about this a lot. Like I'm I'm walking the line of being arrogant and 
humble. And that's just sort of the space that I like to live in. Like, it's not even like I want to visit and vacation. Like, I want to be like this. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm going. I know, like, but but I also see the result. Like, I see the whole story. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, I can understand if someone doesn't. Um, but I'm telling you, with someone like a witness, you know, it's, anyway, yeah. I'm getting off the point. Um, I want to fast forward to, so we are here in Alberly. We're recording. Um, this is my first lo- like on location with my equipment. How is it? And, and the shop's been open, what, five years now? Yes. Six. 2017. This 2023, brother. Six. Okay. First of all, okay. <laughs> I just want you ask. I'm telling you the answer, right? <laughs> six. Gotcha. I, my apologies. I, I'll check with my reporters. <laughs> so in the six years that you've you've been here, um, what has been some of your like favorite memories? And ultimately, I want to get to the question of the transition from just your starting off sh- cutting in, in Chicago to Minnesota. Now here, like what? How is it having your own shop? When you work in somebody else's shop, you still don't have a boss. You and it called an independent independent contractor. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Like you come in, you cut. The days you don't show up, that's on you. That's money you didn't make. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But also to somebody else's shop. You're paying your booth rent. Let's say you come in one day and say, I'm raising booth rent. Nothing you can really do about that. You should got to deal with that. There you go. So when you get your own shop, Tino, as you know, is a barber that works here. He used to have his own shop. Sometimes I can tell, like, he's not feeling some of the moves I make and things I do. But at the end of the day, it's my shop. It's not about what he wants. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but... No, no. I think I think that's just the reality of the yeah, situation. Like, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't ask Tino before I started remodeling. I kind of ran it past him to let him know. But at the end of the day, the way people conceive the shop and the way they feel about the shop, it all kind of comes to on me. And the way it looks now and the way it feels now is more of like how I want it to feel. Now... Mm-hmm. Tino can always say, I don't, I'm not feeling this, I'm leaving. And I can't stop him, nor would I try. You know, this is the barbershop. This is the way, I mean, it's called Ra Supreme Clientele. And this is how Ra likes it to feel. This is more comfortable, I think, for the customers and for me. And hopefully for him. You know, so if it's not, I'm sure he'll tell me. But, you know, I changed things up over time. And it's becoming, you know, one of them things where people come in and it's not just... You know, white walls, boring shop. It's, you know, stuff going on everywhere. It's people in here. The kids feel comfortable. Like, this is the kind of barbershop I want it to be. Gotcha. Well, it definitely ha- has your personality in here. Um, yeah. As opposed to day one, six years ago. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is with MJ's, MJ Sports Barbershop, he know nothing about sports. <laughs> he, no, no, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to knock it. He came from another he came from another sports barbershop and he saw that that worked. But when people came in and talked sports, I was usually the one talking the most. He was kind of in the corner, kind of listening. Gotcha. Okay. So this is not a sports barbershop. Leans more towards the sports side because you know that's what I like to talk about. No, I I understand that as a as a comedian, I try to explain this. When you are headlining, when you're the marquee of the show, no offense, it doesn't really matter what the opener or feature does, which is why I have a a huge opinion about headliners saying, hey, Rod, don't do this, don't do that if you're opening for me. Because at the end of the day, I, I still believe 
you do your if i have five minutes let me do whatever five minutes i want the feature does their 20 or 30 and then the headliner it's all you but but people don't understand is nobody's paying for the opener or the feature and you can have a horrible opener, a horrible feature, but you better not have a horrible headliner. Right. Uh, so at the end of the day, the show quality has so much to do with the the headliner, the person that's closing out the show, which is kind of going back to your name being on the shop. So all the major decisions kind of come down to, to what you want to do. Okay, so we're in the shop six years. Give me some favorite memories, and then we'll end on barbershop talk. One of my favorite memories, and it's crazy because... Nobody really showed up for me. You ever bang in a chair in a barbershop? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Not this shop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like a lot of people didn't show up for it, but it was a blast for me and it was big for me. But you were here. The book signing, the book thing. A lot of people didn't show up. I, I expected a whole lot of people just because, you know, it was coverage on the news and all that. But I still had a blast. Do a, do a quick plug of the book. The book. It's called um, Meet Me at the Barbershop. It's written by yours truly. To me, it has four main characters. They're friends from Chicago. And I keep saying this today, but he don't want to listen. They're young. They're 19-year-old boys coming into real life. So they don't do things the way they would do it. <laughs> so, of course, they saying one of my characters should die. Because he wouldn't do what they would do. I disagree with some of his his choices, and like the classic movie Boys in the Hood, like you gotta have you gotta have somebody go. <laughs> no, that's not the you, gotta, you gotta have it's you gotta have book. a Ricky. He should have been he should have been the Ricky of the book. None of the guys in the game. These dudes hoop. I don't know why one get look, brother. This is more like <laughs> sister hood of the traveling pants than Boys in the Hood. I just need you to understand that. Got you. What's, if you have a, a four major character book or movie, somebody's got to die. No, this is a coming of age tale. That's what this is. Like, nobody died in Best Man. Remember when they killed Macaulay Culkin from B? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I, feel like, I feel like he should have been stung by a bee and allergic. You don't walk into bees when you're allergic to bees. <laughs> That's what he did. And he ain't got no peanut butter allergy or nothing. No, like, no, no. no. He will my guy to get shot. Like, that's crazy, man. He's a good dude. Okay. Well, one thing I do love about the book is the open to interpretation that I think any artist creates where it's like, hey, I wrote this book. What do you think? And it's not that I disagree with a lot of things. I just have a different interpretation and perspective, which I think has made some of the best dialogue yeah. and, and, and debate. And I think that's that's what you need in a barbershop because – my so <laughs> this is stupid, but I'll share. I've only had three important barbers in my life. You know, what I'm nothing wrong with that. Uh, I had my first barber when I was in Detroit. It was pretty horrible. Like he was the he was like the owner of the shop, and he was like the one that I had to go to because my brother had to go to the cool one, <laughs> and we had to both get our haircuts at the same time. And then he was really bad, and he used to always hit on my mom. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, I mean, he was my mom's age, so technically, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And um, then I had a barber that I finally found in Arizona that was dope. Shout out to um, uh, Knox. And then and then here, like it was, it gotcha. was, it's been you know living in Iowa has been not my favorite, but uh, you and your shop, your influence, and I think you have something that we don't talk a lot about, which is your contribution to 
a standard of black men that sort of gets overlooked. You know, like when we have the conversation of men ain't shit or black men don't take care of their kids and shit like that, like you just sort of, you know, quiet all of that. And I think that's something that I care more about even than being a dope-ass barber and having a shop. Like, it's- I mean, you said something to me the other day, and I was telling Hannah about it because, like, I Shout knew Shout out this. to Hannah, Team I, Hannah. I I'm going to name the episode Team Hannah. I knew this already, but when you said it, it kind of, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, of course. <clears throat> You're talking about somebody else, but you was like, yeah, man, I'm starting not to like this dude. Like, if you don't get one oh, of the yeah. things I like, you know what I'm saying? Like, a good dad, a good man. You know, you do dope shit. Like, that was crazy to me, but I knew that. It's just hearing you saying it really made me, you know, talk about it. Because I yeah. kind of just left it as it was. But, you know, it's something that's important, man. That's just, that's just where I'm at. Like, I, I feel like I've earned the good dad label. Yeah. And I know how easy it is to not be a good dad. Like, it's yeah. very easy not to yeah. take care of your kids. Like, you don't have to think about it. You can just, like, not pick them up or ever see them. And as a man, I look at those examples and I'm like... Again, because my dad wasn't a part of my life. So it's like, ah, all you had to do was sort of show up. You ain't got to be a rich dad. Yeah. Or you don't, you could be a poor dad. You just got to be a dad. That's the a thing. lot of guys just opt out. And and that's, that's just not even stay on parenting. It's just entrepreneur, you yeah. know, author. Like, I mean, you, you're doing some, some pretty dope shit. I mean, like, in all honesty, I got a, a dad that was a failure. He let me see it. He was okay with that. That's not okay with me. You know what I'm saying? I got a son in college doing his thing. I got a 13-year-old son I'm dealing with every single day. And then I got a couple daughters, which I want to bring to us. I didn't think about this. So even if you name a team handle, she going to get this far. She going to hear. But I got this theory I didn't know I had until today. Oh, okay. We got exclusive. <laughs> so <laughs> every time I take my daughter to Walmart, I get her a toy. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can look around the shop and see remnants of that everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Hannah say, Hannah say I'm spoiling or rotten. Yes. I can believe that. But I think I'm saving myself heartache when she gets older. <laughs> I think when, instead of coming to me later in life about dealing with these dudes who apparently, according to TikTok and Facebook and everywhere else, me and ain't shit, maybe she'll just start getting toys. <laughs> And it'll be like, I don't need you. I've been getting toys all my life. I'm going to get a toy in this situation, too. So the, your answer to heartache is buying a Barbie. Is no, saying. I'm talking about when she gets older, right, those I'm different saying. kind of toys. Oh. <laughs> so she had to deal with dudes like that. This took a turn for the worse. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> all these toys might mean something. I mean, I didn't realize it until I was... Looking around so my shop, this is a toy that you're corner. This is the seed that you're planting right now. Yeah, yeah. Get a toy. Gotcha. Toys always made you happy, baby. Get a toy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> what is it as and I think this also is an element to why you've been successful on stage as as like delivering jokes, because you've got on stage a few times and it almost feels like the comfortability of you on stage is the same as you in the shop just talking or sharing stories. Uh, what is what does barbershop talk to you? And why is that so important in the shop? Not only is the, the way the barbershop look important to me, when you walk in here, I want you to feel comfortable enough where you can either leave your troubles at the door 
you bring them in and talk about them with us judgment free. Not judgment free. <laughs> I want to say judgment free, but we're going to talk shit about you right in front of you if we have to. Question Last question. This comes from a fan. <laughs> she wants to know, oh, yeah. when are you <laughs> when are you getting engaged to uh, which I consider to be the love of your life, uh, this incredible young lady who uh, things have just not been the same and since since uh, how many years is it now? Going on five. Going on five. Um, yeah. So question question of the day: <laughs> When are you getting engaged, or when are you popping the question uh, to your uh, significant other? Um, we gonna go Kobe on this. Twenty four. Twenty twenty four. I thought you was gonna say eighty one. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go eighty one. You know what? Let's do that. <laughs> 2081. Let's do that. 2081. <laughs> wow. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you for making time. Thank you for uh, opening the shop and, and having these uh, special hours for us to record. Um, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, man. I want to um, give a shout out to my oldest son, Devin, man. He's crushing it in college right now. And if he listens to this, I need him to know I'm proud of him. So. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.